Custom Car Care. All right, good morning and welcome. You got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Fall is the season. It is. And I had my first fall experience, if you will, because yeah. I was driving a vehicle and my tire was a little low on air. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because of all of the, the temperature changes yep. here lately. For roughly, if I can recall this off the top of my head, for every 10 degrees, it's somewhat, it, it, now this is non-nitrogen filled, this is regular, just compressed air, it's around 4 PSI fluctuation. So a lot of folks with the little uh, horseshoe or the TPMS kind of amber colored light tire pressure monitor system, uh, you're we're going to be seeing a ton of that in the fluctuation of temperatures as we go into winter. So keep that in mind. You know, like I said, for every roughly 10 degrees, it's 4 PSI. So it's not uncommon as we get these swings for it to be, you know, 8 to 10 PSI low and needing to kind of bump that up a little bit. So did you get some air in your... I did, yes. Thankfully, one of my coworkers, because I was hanging out with some coworkers, uh-huh. but one of them had a little mini mobile I love it. air pressure thingy majigger. Yep. It was really cool. It was hot pink. Uh, even yeah, better. So. You can't lose it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it worked relatively quick. It took maybe about 10 minutes to fully inflate my mm-hmm. tire. Uh, it just was battery operated. Yeah. So hey, it got me to where I was going. So I'm all set. I'm glad, A, they got you fixed up. And I'm glad you brought this up because after we did last week's show, I was over off for public road here in Springfield and I had a sweatshirt on. So it wasn't like I was in uniform. I just looked like, you know, Joe Blow construction worker. And I had a young guy stop and say, hey, do you have an air pressure gauge? And I was putting diesel in the truck, and I guess I just looked like somebody that could help him out. And he said, you know, I just come from this, you know, quick lube oil change place, and I got a low tire. I thought they would have checked it. And, you know, not throwing stones at the quick lube places, a 10-minute oil change really is not enough time to do an adequate job. As well as he was uh, at the gas station with one of those little outside compressors you put the quarters in, I think is what they had. And he said it's broken and it's letting more air out than it puts in there. Well, I carry, of course, a air compressor with it and or with me. And so I had him pull over while I was pumping diesel and, and uh, we aired it up. And what had actually happened, and this is something I see happen a lot, which is what I wanted to bring up, that... On his car, it told him which tire was low. Are you familiar with those at all? Yeah, my last car did mm-hmm. that. Now, I'm not sure about my new one because yep. I haven't had a low tire yet. Um, Knock on wood. That's awesome. He actually was driving a Chevy Cruze, by the way. Oh, was he? Um, but th- my point being is whoever had rotated his tires didn't relearn the position uh, of the yep. tires. And I have that happen or people come in from time to time and like, yeah, my right front says it's low. And I got like... 50 PSI, which is what he had in there. And I said, I bet you it's your, you know, right rear or another tire. And that was actually what was going on. He was airing it up and airing it up and airing it up, but it was telling him the wrong location. So everybody needs to keep that in mind. I went ahead and checked all of his tires for him, set the pressure on all of them. So he was in good shape and kind of let him know what was going on with that. But that's something I don't think a lot of people know that that's a process. When you rotate those tires, you have to reinitialize where those tires are so the car knows how to report it correctly. And we see that a lot this time of year, whether you're doing it yourself, that's totally cool if you can. Um, Or if you take it to a shop, make sure that they're relearning them in the correct 
orientation on the vehicle. So if you do have one low, and I was able to ID it pretty quick that it was just, you know, the right rear instead of the right front. So had him open his hood up. Uh, the air compressor that I actually keep is a little heavier duty one, but it hooks to the car battery, which is kind of nice. Um, we pumped all of them up where they were supposed to be, and he was on, on his way. So a little, I guess, uh, you know, roadside service, if you will. Look at you, saving lives. Yeah, well, I, I don't know <laughs> if I go quite that far, but yeah, trying. Um, and as well as, you know, like I said, I don't want to throw stones at the quick lubes out there, um, but 10 minutes is really a little too quick to have that service done. There are times when I'm doing oil changes and whatnot that I will actually let them drain because I want as much of the contaminants out as possible before I put the new oil and contaminate the new oil. That just makes sense to me. Um, but everybody's in a hurry. And sometimes you sacrifice, you know, I would much rather take the time in my life at this point to do it correctly than just to do it and say I did it and get kind of a halfway job. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. No, you're not crazy. And, you know, these vehicles are so expensive anymore. It just boggles the mind of how much even a used vehicle is costing right now. It's oh, just I know. unbelievable. So, you know, we, we have this discussion from time to time at the shop about, you know, maintenance. And, and we talk about maintenance quite often. But I want it, it's either you pay me now or you pay me much more later. And I don't mean that that, I, you know, it's going to cost you a billion dollars. But if you it is always cheaper to maintain a car than it is to repair a car. And when you go and have these lightning services done, it concerns me that they're quote unquote able to service the vehicle in an adequate manner. And that's just, as far as I'm concerned, that's unacceptable. I realize everybody's extremely busy. I don't want to sit and wait in line any more than the next guy or gal. But what I also don't, want is any kind of thing that's going to take time away from the service life of whatever the equipment is. So for instance, if I get that 10 minute oil change done and I'm planning on keeping that car, the consequence is that down the road, I'm going to get less usable miles out of that vehicle. And I don't know how else to kind of, to express that but I want all the nasty contaminants. And I've seen some amazing things out of a drain plug and, and uh, oil filter over the years. But let alone, I want a good assessment or valuation of the vehicle because I don't have time to be broken down. And I'm sure you guys out there don't either. So when it comes to that kind of stuff, I see them popping up all over, you know, Springfield here. And that's fine. I mean, if if they've got a business model that works you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, that's concerning. You're going to have all this competition. Well, one, I don't view them as competition. And two, I have repaired so many of the collateral consequences of some of their services. Typically, they actually increase our business um, because they'll sublet the repairs that they're not capable of doing out to a shop. Now, that always begs the question. Why would I trust my vehicle to somebody to do what, quote unquote, be the easy maintenance services to somebody that if something does come up, they're not capable of handling it? And I've always wondered that. And if somebody's got some insight about that, I'd love to to hear about it because I want to make sure and things happen in any kind of repair business. You know, there's times where we have stuff that goes wrong. 
However, we have the depth or the capability in the staff that when it does go wrong, that we can step up and take care of it. So some of the repairs that I've had over the years, I've done some motors where, you know, folks hadn't got the oil change quite correct on it and it cost an engine. I can't tell you how many oil pans or repaired oil pans that I've done. Um, one of the big chains out there that love to do service while you're in buying their goods and wares in their big box store, they had this uh, system to where they would suck the oil out of the dipstick tube. And then I had a whole rash of them where they would get that tube stuck and not be able to get them out. And so I would have to pull the pan, get that tube out, and take care of it from there. And there's probably a plethora of other instances. Those are just the ones off the top of my head that a lot of times, you know, they get done at those, you know, lightning service places. And, you know, you really need to take some time and care. I don't know if anybody's been out there uh, shopping for new or used cars. It's probably going to be a good in the next few months time to be looking for a used car. Because when I look at the numbers of the repossessions out there or the inventory of, you know, repossessions that are going back to banks and financial institutions, they're still running them across the auction block in a very high asking price or reserve price. And it's going to take a little while for that inventory to get such a glut that they are going to have to start lowering those prices. So right now it's building and building and building. And I don't know if you've been by any uh, new car dealers that have a used, uh, used car lot, but a lot of the used car lots that have been bare are really starting to fill up and the prices will start to come back. So it's not always just gloom and doom that we're talking about. There's definitely going to be some deals coming in the next few months. Now, I don't think we're quite there yet, but a lot of the purchases that were done during the last couple of years, you know, there was all that money being thrown around and, you know, given out essentially, as well as extra wages being paid if you were essential workers and, and did uh, certain shifts that people went and bought these vehicles and, you know, a thousand dollar car payment or an eight hundred dollar car payment to me is just unobtainable. It just doesn't make much sense. And there were folks that you know were running on that free money, and now that that started to hopefully come back to normal or come back to reality, I guess we are going to start seeing some deals out there. So just be mindful, be patient. Uh, Sarah and I are up against our first break. We'll be right back after this. Your complete car care solution. Custom Car Care. All right, good morning and welcome back. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. I had a customer that we were doing some service work do something that I don't have happen very often, which was very, very cool. We ended up needing to do some dash or interior work. I believe we were going to be pulling the dash out of it for a heater core. And, you know, he brought it in, had it checked out. We figured out what was going on. Roderman asked him, and he's like, yeah, I'll be back this afternoon. It wasn't anything dire straits. It was leaking. But he said he needed to switch some cars around, take care of some personal business. And so he took it back home. And when he came back for service, he had removed or cleaned out the area that we were going to be working in, which I thought was absolutely awesome. I was very, very impressed as well as it made our service go so much smoother 
as well as not having to worry about, hey, did we get everything put back where it goes? Because, you know, a lot of people, me included, I don't want to say live out of our vehicle, but we spend so much time in it that it is really there's a, a lot of our life that's wrapped up in it. And so he was able and gracious enough to make our service that much easier and simpler. And it got me thinking that, you know, we basically both play roles in whatever the service needed. Clearly, we're an automotive repair facility. But for you to get the very best experience, value for your dollar, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know, it's not just quite up to us all the time. And he played a key role in that. We were able to get the job done under budget and in a quicker time frame than normal because he had done some proactive legwork for us. So it got me thinking, you know, when I go in and and patronize a business, my goal is to play as big and as, I guess, not important, but as key of a role as I can in that service experience. So... For instance, I went in, um, I think it's Handyman Rentals out there in Nixa this last week, and I had been dealing with a different rental company, and they ended up closing one of their locations, and so I this was my first time patronizing them. And I rented a couple pieces of equipment, spent almost a 1000 bucks in there on, on renting a couple pieces of equipment, but the service that I got, I took great notice in, as well as participated in the experience. And it really got me thinking of how this gentleman had uh, been proactive and cleaned out a bunch of that stuff to make sure that it helped us. And it did. It saved him some money and uh, got his vehicle back to him quicker than we had anticipated. So that was a win. As well as when I went in and had the rental from from uh, Handyman Rental there in Nixa, I wanted to make sure I gave them good information. I was tentative to any questions they had to get the billing set up, get the equipment rental set up. And they fulfilled. So the role, and for you to get a good experience, regardless of what it is, is that, hey, you need to be proactive in some of this stuff and not just think or assume, and we all know what assumptions do, that, hey, they know what I'm thinking or, you know, you need to play a big role in what's going on for you to ensure your expectations are met and your outcome is absolutely as good and high as possible. Does that make any sense, Sarah? I'm running off at at my story (laughs) time here. But do you kind of see that, you know, when you're dealing with a business, you know, it's not just the business that is responsible for that outcome. The better and more proactive you are in helping them through that, really, it's going to save you some money on most occasions. And it's going to be a better um, resolution. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know, I always attempt to make sure that whenever you guys are doing work on my vehicle, I always try to make sure that my car is clean and orderly for you. I've got a lot of kids stuff (laughs) around, so I try to move that out of the way uh, so you guys can get to what you need to get to, and that way it gets me on the road quicker Mm -hmm. and you guys don't have to kind of dig through stuff as as you're working on my vehicle. It's amazing how much better that that helps. I bet you have seen some doozies. We really have. And it makes the repair, finding the root cause sometimes harder depending on what it is. Um, You know, I've had situations where a lot of debris in the vehicle has caused the problem. Um, One comes to mind here recently. I had one that um, there are sensors built into the seats uh, to make sure and know whether there's an occupant in there. 
and there had been uh, a lot of debris and, and, and different um, food and drinks spilled in there. And that's actually what created the problem was all that had gotten in on one of the sensors. And it was several hundred dollars to fix all that, as well as, you know, you've got to watch a lot of these big gulps and drinks being spilled in the console and whatnot. I've had and 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 probably will continue. I've had it create no starts where it doesn't know what gear it's in. You know how your car doesn't crank up if it's in drive or reverse. It typically should start in neutral or park. I've had that cause problems. I've had airbag issues, seat uh, occupant sensing issues. Um, I had a story from a tech that was at a dealership that a lot had been spilled in there and it set the airbags off at one point in time. So. Um, as well as identifying some of that, I have to disassemble parts of the interior and whatnot. And if there's a ton of stuff in there, just being able to find a, how to take, uh, remove the fasteners and bolts and things that I need to, to get your interior removed and get it reinstalled correctly. It really lends or hinders the repair service, which also will hinder the resolution or outcome. So my point of this whole deal is, you know, be involved in what's going on. Now, you can't stand out in the shop and and, and watch whatever's going on. Um, but before it comes to us, I'm going to do everything I can to have things set up as, as ideal as possible because I want the best outcome as possible. I have a question. Bring it. Say you have one of those spills and you are wanting to get your vehicle detailed. Does A1 have a detail shop that they uh, use or recommend? I don't at this point in time. I would love to find a good detail shop locally that if somebody's got some recommendations, I would love to talk to somebody. We don't do that kind of service. Um, we will try and remove some of the debris if we have to. Um, I will say the detail shops out there, just like everybody else, they're not all created equal. So I want somebody that understands that, hey, you can't just slather the interior with a significant amount of liquids while you're cleaning it. I was uh, down in Northwest Arkansas and there's a big, large detail facility there. And as I was driving by, they had the doors open and they were pressure washing part of the interior. Oh. And I was like, oh my goodness, you! I have had to fix some of those wet areas that are not supposed to get wet. Yikes. And I don't, I, I'm sure there's some great detail shops around Springfield. I would love to get to know one of them. Um, I, it's been a long time since I've had a professional detail done on any of my vehicles. Um, I usually do it myself, but I, I would love to take it to somebody and have them do it. Well, I know that we always partner up uh, with different holiday events yeah. with Ming Auto Beauty Center. Now, I have never personally used right. them, but I have seen their work and they are pretty good. You know, I think they have been around Springfield a long time now that you kind of bring that name up. I've heard great things about them. I've not used them either. I probably need to stop in there and just say hi and get to know somebody over there. So, Well, they're off East Republic Road. They, they always seem to be very busy when I go by there, which is a good sign. You know, I want to, uh, you know, it, basically that speaks for the kind of work that they're doing. So uh, is that a big national chain or is that a local place here? In you town? know, I'm not sure. I think it's local. Huh. I definitely would like and love dealing with local businesses. That's awesome. So definitely need to stop by there. If anybody's got any feedback, I would love to hear about it. I'm sure that uh, they've been doing business a long time. I, I need to get some of our cars over there and have them done. 
when I was younger, I really enjoyed doing that real detailed work. Um, and not that I don't now, but it seems like life gets busy and sometimes, you know, that goes by the wayside. And I really enjoy taking good care of our vehicles. We've got several in our personal fleet at this point in time. So if anybody's got anything out there, I would sure love to hear about that. As well as, you know, just going into winter right now, now is a darn good time to get ready for that. I love clean windows and the vehicle to be in really good shape as we kind of swing into that fall season. Um, have you used your heat at all yet? Sarah? I have. Did it work? I assume it did. It did. You know, we find a lot of that right now, but we're going to start seeing those frost and temperatures and warming up the vehicle. Um, definitely, if you live here in Springfield, I guess we need to do a, a public service announcement. I think there's a city ordinance, if I remember right. You and I did a uh, a story on this, I think, last year that... Uh, you're not to warm your vehicle up in Springfield. Oh, to idle it, yes. Because they were having so many auto thefts here in town. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure everybody heard, I think it was uh, last week or so or two weeks ago, uh, St. Louis County or St. Louis, Missouri somehow has filed a suit on Hyundai and Kia because they're having so many auto thefts of those particular car manufacturers in their area, let alone hold the car thieves accountable. I don't know. You know, why we didn't start with trying to stop that versus going after the manufacturer. But I digress. We'll kind of pay attention to that and see how it pans out. But we're down at the bottom of the hour. Sarah and I will be right back in a moment. Your complete car care solution. one Custom Car Care. All right. Good morning and welcome back. We've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Miss Sarah, I see you're in the uh, the Halloween season over there. Yes. You have the uh, Halloween nail paint on there. Well, you know, it's just a couple days away. It is. Isn't that insane? It feels wrong to yes, say. <laughs> it truly does. I love Halloween. Halloween I do, too. It's definitely, definitely one of the, the brighter spots. Do you guys have any big uh, traditions or plans? Well, we typically do a pumpkin carving. We haven't done that yet. Mm -hmm. So we're going to probably bust open some pumpkins. Uh, we bought Hocus Pocus, which I have never seen. This is the old Hocus Pocus, like yes. out of the 90s, probably. Yes, I have not seen it before. Don't hate me. No, Don't hate no, me. no. I have seen it. I remember watching it as a kid. I couldn't tell you... The storyline or the plot, I realize it's Halloween related, but definitely, uh, you know, you got to love all the scary movies. Oh, yeah. My oldest daughter, she is getting ready to turn 16 here pretty quick, and she is the scary movie buff. Oh, yeah. She loves that stuff. And I'm not, not that it, it's just not really what I go after. Do I like a good scary movie once in a while? Sure. You know, it's cool. But uh, she watches them all in like... Yeah, just in series. So she's definitely been going after it. So it's her time of year. Now, what are your kiddos going for as Halloween? Uh, I hadn't got a straight answer out of any of them except the little one. Of course, Miss uh, Brinley is going to be a cow. Aw. Yeah, it came in the other day. So last year we all dressed up and I did not as well as scarecrows. That one was kind of cool. That was kind of easy for me. Uh, just a flannel shirt and, you know, a straw hat and I had a little straw coming out the end of the flannel. Oh, so there you go. Definitely looks like it. Pretty I hope easy. Everybody, were you a trick-or-treater as a kid? I was. Now, we always, we lived in the country, so mm -hmm. we had to drive into town. Civilization. I know. Yep. yep. And we had to do that. And uh, we always did it in the little tiny cul-de-sac. Mm -hmm. And then we 
got our candy and went home. So that's something we kind of did as well. We did live in town when I was real young, but as I got a little older, we moved out. And so we had to do that. And so we always had like our back then. Now you really can't do it, but we had a truck and like all the kids would ride in the bed of the truck around and we always had the glow sticks. I was always fascinated with the the chemical glow sticks, Mm -hmm. probably because of Rambo back in the day. He was like, yeah, (laughs) but we would put those on to make sure we could see everybody and know what's going on, where you're at. And people were really courteous about that. I think we're going to do a trunken treat this year. Youngblood, I think, is where we're going to go. They're going to have one at the the car lot down there. So it's going to be kind of not our first one with the little one, but Hopefully this is the one she'll remember. Are you, uh, is is your whole crew dressing up? You're going to make uh, Ryan dress up as We well? are. So uh, ever since Ryan and I have been together, we always dress up for Halloween. Mm-hmm. I force him. It's my, it's one of my you favorite. Yeah. I'm sure he just loves that. Yeah. It's like, you're going to do this. Oh yeah. So we dressed up. What <laughs> It was last year or the year before we dressed up as the 1920s gangsters. Oh, there you go. Uh, one time we dressed up as the kissing sailor and nurse. We did uh, Popeye and olive oil. There you go. This year, we are going to dress up the little one as the Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> and then awesome. I think I'm going to be Betty Crocker and Ryan's going to be Chef Boyardee. Oh, man, that's you put yeah. a lot of thought into that. I, I'm telling you, I Very love Halloween. Themed. Very themed. Yes. It's uh, definitely a busy time of year. We're getting into the dark season. Tis the season to... Uh, Go to work when it's dark and come home when it's dark. That's always kind of a bummer time of year really for is. me. I am doing some upgrades on our vehicles, actually. I'm going to be putting some LED light bars on them. Oh, that's good. I uh, I, I don't necessarily enjoy meeting them on the road when you're a non-courteous driver and mm-hmm. turn those off. Do you yeah. ever meet the... Oh, yeah. I see them all yeah. the time whenever I'm, I'm going to work because I work so mm-hmm. early in the morning. And oftentimes, I, I don't think that they mean to... Yeah flash really distract but you they're just driving they can see and they forget Mm -hmm. but yeah it can definitely really obstruct your view whenever you are on the other side of that we should probably do a whole segment on courteous driving um not protocols but uh just being courteous on some stuff people that have those light bars and leave them on that really kind of chaps my rear end (laughs) um as well as people driving in the left lane which is the passing lane folks forever and ever and ever and then yeah i'm really gonna get my blood pressure up you know going to monet do you ever go down there and have the alternate passing lanes Mm -hmm. so they're gonna drive 10 miles an hour under the speed limit where you can't pass and then when you get into the passing area they floor it do you ever get anybody that does that I want to be like, really? You need to have your license revoked for that. Just drives me up a wall. Do you have road rage? You know, a little bit. Yeah, I got to say that. I am getting better as I've gotten older. Uh, My kids make fun of me a little bit because I have songs that I sing which are not appropriate for uh, the radio here. So I'll refrain from that. But yeah, I want, and don't get me wrong, I make mistakes while I'm driving too. And so I need some grace from time to time. But you really, some folks need to get it together out there. The left lane is for passing, one. Um, If you're coming up on a vehicle, turn your brights off, two. Some of the new Toyotas, I don't know if you've seen or experienced this, but they have adaptive high beams. 
Have you seen that at all? Mm -mm. They have a sensor that as you see oncoming lights, it auto dims your headlight. Oh. And then when the light goes away, it will brighten your lights again, which I thought was awesome. That's cool. Now, how can they tell the difference whenever you are city driving versus country driving? Well, so city will have enough ambient light. It won't really, you would have to. So it won't do it. Yeah, it won't do it. You'll have, if you wanted your brights on, you would have to override that. It is a setting that you can turn on and off. But the country driving, I thought that was just brilliant. Yeah. And it's really not a super complex system. They have an optic eye up front there that sees the up-and-coming light. Um, We did some training for some uh, ADOS, which is Advanced Driver Assist System. Um, And that was part of the training. That was really cool. Some of the forward-facing radar, some of the rear radar just really neat stuff coming down the pipe. Not something that's going to be much for your do-it-yourselfer, do-it-yourselfer that can do. But with uh, right equipment, it's a big investment for us. But we're going to be doing that. But that was one of the coolest things that we got some training on. As well as the collision avoidance that if you have a vehicle coming up at a high rate of speed and it's going to rear-end you, it will release the brakes to make the impact lessen. It, you know, basically it will allow you to roll forward. Now you'll probably impact whoever's in front of you, but it won't leave you at a dead stop with your foot on the brake to absorb all that impact, as well as it will have the collision avoidance on the front that will apply the brakes and then adaptive cruise. Do you ever have your cruise set and you come up on slow traffic and, you know, you're basically the cruise will just run you into them if, if you don't get a, a handle on it. The adaptive cruise will allow you to set one, two, or three car lengths. And so if they slow down, it will keep that one, two, or three car length setting with the the travel vehicle that you're following. Huh. Interesting. So that was kind of a neat thing that's kind of, it is out there on some of the 2021s and twos and probably even some of this prior to that. But the technology they're able to put in some of these vehicles, as well as the ability to troubleshoot it when it doesn't work correctly, um, all of this, if you have front-end work, have body work done, or have uh, any suspension, steering or suspension work, has to be recalibrated every time you, you have any of that service done. So makes a normal you know alignment or repair much more intricate than just, hey, let's throw a ball joint or some tie rods in here and you know align it like we've been used to forever um this is a very very i don't want to say intricate system but you better be trained on it if you're going to be dealing with it and if you're taking your vehicle in somewhere you better have somebody that knows what they're doing otherwise your adaptive cruise or your lane departure won't work correctly and you may have a instant where it doesn't work and you're counting on it. Does that make any sense? How often do you guys do your like training? I know that you do annual training, mm-hmm. but to keep up with this stuff. it I don't want to say it comes in waves, but we're doing some kind of training at least monthly, um, if not multiple times a month. Typically, our minimum standard is around 40 hours a year per technician and service advisor for that matter. I have always been well over 100 hours a year and probably will continue that throughout the rest of my career. But as things like big things change, like this uh, advanced driver assist system is coming into favor, we are going to have to do a bunch of training up front to make sure we're ready for it. So uh, this last one, we actually traveled to Kansas City, Missouri to have the training. We took a day off work, went up there and spent a full eight hours in training to make sure we were 
prepared and we're in the midst of selecting the equipment. We've not ordered it as of yet, but we will be soon. And, you know, it's going to make where a lot of shops won't be able to do certain repairs. So if you need an alignment done and you have some kind of an ADOS system, advanced driver assist system, they can't even do an alignment for you. So that's really how big of a deal. And from about 2018 and even, I believe, 2023, this is going to be some version of it. And there's one through five variations of ADOS. Some version of it will be on all of the cars by 2023. So definitely something to be making sure that we're still on the cutting edge, and, and we very much are. So we need to step into one more break. Sarah and I will be back in a moment. All right, we got just a little bit of time. Sarah, you wanted to know kind of what was going on around the shop. Yeah, we haven't talked about what's happening around the shops lately, so fill me in. It's always coolant related this time of year. Not that, like, we don't have coolant issues, you know, through the rest of the season. You know, when it's real hot outside, we'll have some overheats we're dealing with. But this time of year, when you really start, A, making sure that the strength of the coolant is good, the acidity level of the coolant is fine, and the just the level of coolant is fine, as well as the ability for it to come up to temperature or operating temperature, which is somewhere in the neighborhood of 2 to 210 on most vehicles, and the ability for it to circle uh, circulate it through the heater cores is always a big, big thing because it could have broken months ago. And it's not making it to the heater core. The blend door is not switching from hot to cold. There's all these systems that haven't been used in six to nine months most of the time. And then when you need the heat, the defrost, etc., then you find out, hey, it hadn't been working. And when you need it, you really can't wait and get it to the store or to the shop if the windshield's all nasty and fogged over. So... Lots of cooling-related service. A fair amount of it's proactive. You know, you need to make sure that it is up to strength. There's always a couple of times a year that I have one that the strength of it was too weak, and it either pushes a heater or a uh, expansion plug out or a freeze plug out, or it cracks the block, and then I have to put an engine in it after that. So. If you've had anything where you know you've added water to it throughout the summer, think, oh, I'll get by for a while. Now is the time you don't want to pay the piper and have something that was a pretty minimal uh, repair issue or even a fluid exchange issue come out to be a big issue and cause any mechanical damage there. As well as, you know, folks are trying to get things ready. Your starting and charging system is always stressed. Um one of my key things that I notice a lot is how a vehicle starts, like the speed in which the engine turns over. And if that changes, you know your vehicle probably better than even I do at this point. You know what it sounds like, how long you hold the key before it catches and goes ahead and starts up. You need to make sure that if that changes at all, it needs to be checked out to fi find out why, because your battery may have been okay or your charging system may have been okay under somewhat, you know, uh, easy climate conditions. But when we start to dip down, it's been, you know, rock cold overnight, and then you come out and tap the key and you hear that cadence or that speed slow down. 
that's an indicator that that system's struggling a little bit. And I've driven vehicles for hundreds of thousands of miles with the alternator putting just fine. And I've seen folks that run them with a poor battery that will kill an alternator quicker than anything. So not only do you get to the point where, hey, guess what? You need a battery, but it's also made that alternator work and work and work and work until it just says, hey, I'm giving up too. So then you get to buy a battery and an alternator, and I don't want you to have to do that. There's no real reason for that. Typical life of a battery, I get that question quite a bit. Two to three years for your cheap batteries or your economy batteries. They don't call them cheap at the parts store. They call them the economy series. Um, but you truly get what you pay for. There is a cold cranking amp standard that, you know, it should have, say, 500, 600 cold crank amps. And then you can upgrade from there. You can buy their premium battery or their extreme battery. They all call them some kind of crazy name. But at the end, I see some of those upper-end batteries that sometimes will cost 40 or $50 more last multiple years longer. So I'm a big proponent of uh, putting a, a high-quality battery in there because of the electrical loads that are on all of our vehicles that we buy now. You know, when I was a younger kid, you know, it ran the radio and the lights and the windows. That was pretty much the bulk of the electrical loads here cooling fan or your blower motor if you wanted to be hot or cold inside. But now you think of all the infotainment system that's on the vehicle. I mean, you can watch TV, you can have heated and cooled seats. They're running many, many modules on a secure network system that actually has modules talking within modules throughout the gateway and network system on your vehicle. So now the the electrical load and demands are probably a hundred times greater than they were even 20 years ago. And you need to power it accordingly. The other thing that I am very concerned when I'm selecting a battery for myself or for one of our customers is what they use the vehicle for and the reserve capacity. The reserve capacity is a standard not many people talk about, but that's how long it can sustain, sustain an amperage output over time from an electrical load without the alternator's input. And so what does that mean? It basically is how long I can run a lights or a radio or whatever electrical load, and that battery can discharge and still start my truck up as I go. So my service truck I use for quite a few many things, um, and there's times that I need that extra, extra reserve capacity and I want to make sure that it has capability to do so for some of the on-site service that I do. So just keep that in mind if you have um, any need that you're going to run lights or, you know, sit there and, and not have the engine idling. Even a lot of your smart charging systems, so a lot of you out there listening right now, if a vehicle is idling with low electrical load, a lot of times the alternator is not charging any, if at all, just to take some of the load off. Now, if the battery discharge is low enough, it will, the, the engine computer will say, hey, I need some voltage here and I'll see it pick up and start to charge on certain makes or models. So I want you all out there prepared for all that. So long story short, and I, this really isn't a maintenance show today, but we're coming into the season that if you have not maintained the vehicle on the front side, the, the climate as it changes is going to show you where your weakest link is. So 
Naturally, if tires is an issue, you're going to see more air loss if the tires are old and in poor shape. If your battery and starting charging system's not been taken care of in the good times when it is bad and the temperature gets, you know, below zero or close to, you know, under freezing, you're going to come out and it won't start. So be paying attention to all of that stuff and make sure you're in good shape. The heating system definitely is something that we all rely on. I I am a proponent of warming my vehicle up. I realize there's a city ordinance that says you can't do that here in Springfield due to car thieves, but it is better for the vehicle. I want to make sure that the fluids and necessary lifebloods of the engine, transmission, etc., the windshield gets dethawed. I'm comfortable when I get in it. It's not something that I'm really um, you know, not comfortable while I'm driving. I'm looking through this little hole in the in the frost on the windshield. I want to make sure that that vehicle's ready to go before I leave. And it's also better for the vehicle as well, you know, to get those fluids up to operating temperature. Now, do you need to let it run for 20 or 30 minutes like you did back in the day? No, that's that's really not the case. You know, in a few minutes, they have these systems to where they're in what's called a closed loop or running off of the information coming from the engine and transmission control module. They have temperature readings of the fluids. They have temperature readings of the ambient or outside air. And you're really getting heat out of there within, I would say, a few minutes if the system is operating correctly. As well as those systems are at operating temperature, and they call it operating temperature in the service information. So that's truly where you want to be running that vehicle. You don't want to just be starting it up bone stock cold and then running, you know, wide open throttle trying to get to work because you're running late. That's not going to add for dependability and longevity long term. You know, we have a ton of folks, friends, family, customers that are driving their vehicles for hundreds of thousands of miles. It's not uncommon for us to have a vehicle in with two, three, 400,000 miles on them, and they're still going strong because people have taken care of them. That's a big difference from the folks that get 60, 80, 100,000, and the vehicle's in such disarray that they have to trade it in because there's so much wrong with it. It just doesn't make sense to, to basically resurrect it, if you will, or bring it back from the brink of you know, catastrophic failure. So they dump it on somebody else and then Hopefully, you're not the person that is the winner of buying somebody else's bad decisions. So kind of be mindful of that. Have you ever bought somebody's bad decisions? Hopefully not, Sarah. I don't Hopefully like not uh, for anybody else out there. Mm-hmm. I have been the victim of some terrible things, not necessarily automotive related or anything serious but you know it does always kind of suck whenever you have an expectation Mm -hmm. for something and it's not exactly what it uh what it was supposed to be but believe it or not we are out of show already i hope everybody out there has a great halloween Mm -hmm. Uh, especially if you got little kiddos i hope they get tons of candy yes now if you are out there in radio land you have a question or comment you can shoot us a text on our text line 417-447-5743 or you can reach out to us on social media Across the board, that is at 1041 KSGF. Dustin, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. Yes. Bye.